Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay, and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him, and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought, and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you." Nevertheless the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought, and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord, and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple." The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. The King James Bible A Lock Shock A Fabulism Chapter 27 Delusions Before Death but why didn't it work? My lord, perhaps you should lie down. Get your hands off me! 
My lord, you've lost a tremendous amount of blood. But why? Why? My vision was so clear. Fenril Huth, Duke of Atabasca, stands on a mini thunderhead at the forefront of his golden cloud, steering us northward with urgent speed. His white surplus is stained entirely red. The blade still sticks from his neck at a comical angle, its pommel dark with gore. The Aconite are arrayed behind him in tragic stage-blocking, their bloody arms extended. We race across an ocean as the sun rises over our right shoulders, lifting the curtains of the night. We left the land-sea far behind. Very messy exit, that. Nothing to be proud of in that entire exchange. We showed up, crashed the party, hijacked the sacred event, botched it outrageously, then escaped as they flung dung at us. And I never did get to try that stew. Maybe Fen will let us know what the entire thing was about some day. He meant to gain something with his sacrifice, some power over me. Or he'd made a deal with some dread lord that would exchange his lifeblood for mine. Or a hideous curse would be enacted and I'd eternally suffer. Well, quite the tribute, I'd say. The greatest aconide of the age, willing to throw his life away to get his revenge on little old me. I'm deeply touched. Hang on! Tosti turns away from the others to regard me, his bushy white eyebrows bouncing up and down in the effort of thought. Lord, is it true that you know where Alokshok is, and have known all along? The Cloud Watcher doesn't answer but the cloud sails unerringly on. The dead maiden cocks her head. Yes, if the Cloud Watcher knows how to get back home, then we never need to use Oswaldin's trick with the foul one again, do we? More of them turn around to look at me. It is Clarice who says, So we don't need Absim any more. I make a face at her. Oh, as if the world needs a Clarice. What do you say, my lord? My Sim Runk gestures at me with a brittle smile. Your first attempt to do away with this, this walking atrocity may have failed, but there is no land in any direction and the sea must be full fathoms deep. Let us lay down our burden here, noble brother. Let us bury the memory of your child and your young bride here. Let us leave their ghosts in this wide open world where they may contemplate infinitude among the waves and let us drown the deceiver in the substance he loves least, the salty blood of the sea. Nothing can bring back your child, your bride, your father and wife's family. Kaimuel places a gentle hand against Fen's back. The Mitini clan, the Laughing Brotherhood, they all died in the fire he set, and none can return the villagers of Mistet or the Dulcet Grand Choir or any of the others who died when the roof collapsed and all those who succumbed days or weeks later, but we can. And the Duke's favorite generals do not forget them. Runk presses a fist into his open palm. Most importantly, honor Sonata, the greatest cavalier I've ever known. And it was Absim who tortured her until she broke, then remade her to be his own secret traitor. It is easy for her to be forgotten amid all his other crimes that morning, but his abduction of Lady Sonata ranks among the most profoundly evil acts of our age. Ha! That's hardly in his top ten. Tosti waves a hand at me. 
the excruciation of the elders of Goulette were, to me, the absolute peak of his horrors, and, of course, the burning of the children's schools, abominable. Why the ruins of the Hypath Cathedral are an offense to every god. Oswaldin chimes in. In terms of sheer calamity, I'd say the worst is the collapse of the Ferrix ramparts and the Ostersim. That entire region has yet to recover, and it was so grand before. Now disease and riots day in, day out. And of course the Headwaters Kingdom. Absom is responsible for the collapse of the entire... Runk holds up a hand. But we can go on for a year enlisting all his crimes. We are here specifically to bury the ghosts of what some have begun calling the Morning of Siasalos. It casts a shadow over our hearts. But we can put this grief down that we've carried for so long, that we've all carried for those who may never come back from the underneath, from whence no power may recall them. Save Asurpa, for if you truly became a child of Asurpa, he could bring anyone he likes back from the dead. Not now, Seneca. Oh, blow it out your arse, you sanctimonious prick. Lord, Lord, listen. We can end this now. Listen to him, my lord. Yes, listen. Lay down your grief, dear one. I know better than to say a word. Finally, he turns. The Cloud Watcher's face is ashen with blood loss and grief. His eyes are hooded, his gaze far away. He nods, then collapses into Runk's arms. Several of those closest to him catch him to lay him tenderly down. But many more converge on me, vengeance flashing in their eyes. I didn't know that the palimpsest's teeth were fangs until that moment. But a clamor of rising alarm rises from around him. My lord, uh... No, wait, my lord. As the cloud watcher passes out, the golden cloud holding us up so very high is dispersing. I laugh. Oh, ho, ho, full fathoms deep indeed. Who cares to join me for a swim? The palimpsest squeals. But I can't swim. Seneca, Runk reaches for the old priest. Save the duke, as you did Oswalden, quickly now. Seneca shakes his head a dolorous no, still sulking from their rebukes. You had your chance to extol Usurper. He does not care for the faithless. Oh, the old boy has them over a barrel now, and he knows it. The hue of the cloud starts to darken, scaling from gold to orange to blood red. The wind whipping by that signifies our passage flags, then stops. We hang tattered in the air. Seneca, you're going to fall into the drink with the rest of us if you don't heal him. If Asurpa wills it. Fine, fine. What do you want from us? Merely acknowledge Asurpa's ascendancy over all gods and devils and powers of the earth. Yes, yes, fine. My sim, don't. Oh, shut up, you dried-out old hag. Gods exist. One even kissed me once. Get over it. Asurpa is a god of love and vengeance, the thirteenth chieftain contributes. Like with us, our god of love and vengeance is a great bull. Nobody cares, chief. Kaimuel interposes themselves between the two shamans and holds up hands. Deal-making hands. I've seen them before. Look, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'd rather not fight for my life in the watery deep. I'm quite happy to say that Asurpa is great, nay, the greatest. I'd happily live out my days dancing in the shining light of Asurpa's love. How's that, Seneca, old chap? Eh, uh, 
we don't dance that much. But Seneca seems appeased. He lifts his amulet as if to ask its dispensation in the matter. I bark in disbelief. Oh, come on. You don't believe them, do you? Absim, shut up. That was by far the shabbiest conversion I've ever seen. Shut up. Shut up, you horrible villain. A super will provide. You said so yourself. Come on, Seneca, old chap. This is a test of your faith. It must be. Let the cloud disperse. I cannot abide for one more breath, Sir Mintigore Trop suddenly shouts, charging forward and grabbing me by the tangled chains that still enwrap me. His wicked voice! And he hurls me from the cloud. My last view of the Aconide is Seneca holding his shining amulet up over the prone body of the Cloud Watcher. My old pal. My blood brother. Me mate. Yes, I probably shouldn't have visited quite so much destruction upon him in our twenties, but I did warn him. Yet, somehow, for the first time, my perennial self-defense only seems, well, defensive. I warned him I was dangerous. So what? Merely telling someone that you will enslave and murder all they hold dear does not, in fact, absolve you of proceeding to go ahead and do it. In fact, it might just make it worse. Well, too bad. Nothing to be done about that now. Time to pay the price for all my misdeeds. This time I'm well and truly fucked. The ocean below looks like the rounded side of a fatted fish, its scallops gaining new colors in the oncoming dawn. I wonder what the ocean will think of this geomancer dropping by for a chat, this lovely earth artist coated in a tasty layer of alien rejection. I'm sure the gods of water will just love me. I drop lackadaisically downward. Falling seems to be the one thing I do best these days. Perhaps it could be my new vocation. I could give up tyranny for just jumping off things. Why, I could turn an entirely new leaf. Instead of trying to rule and or destroy the world, I could just help people build treehouses and rescue cats and things. The water is starting to dominate my view. Never a sight I'm happy to see. I look upward instead to watch the blue sky, fragile as a robin's egg in the dawn, with that one golden cloud still scudding across it. Ah, so a serper came through and saved Fen, did he? I hope Seneca exacted a great reward for his services. And now, solid again, away they depart over the northwest horizon, back to far away a lockshock. I'm quite close to the scudding waves now. A wind has picked up and blows me eastward as I fall, buffeting me down at an angle. I wonder if being the abnegator will save me here. Will the water's rejection of me be strong enough to carry me across its surface, to the nearest landmass? That is my only hope. That surface tension and repulsion of my very nature will win out on this crisp and cold dawn. Cold... So very cold, and about to get colder in that inky water. Perhaps I should just dive deep and be done with it. Yes, expel all the air from my lungs. Let's not stop this fast with any false hope. There, now, gods of sea and death, I am ready. Drag me down if you dare. Instead, a great black and gray whale 
breeches, opening his vast and narrow mouth, and closes it around me with a clap of dark thunder. Every child knows the nursery rhyme of the mildest maid, who, during her many adventures, gets swallowed by a whale. She finds herself inside his gullet, standing in a dark pool filled with fish and a sea lion in a top hat, who has the power of speech. Her riddle makes him laugh. The sea lion's whiskers tickle the whale's craw, and quick as a wink the leviathan sneezes, and she is expelled out his blowhole like a cork. It turns out there is much that is dangerously incorrect about this story. First, allow me to mention the smell. I have not spoken much on my favorite seafood, and that is because I have none. A well-cooked trout from a stream is one thing, but a slurry pond of soupy chum from some salty, pelagic, bloated monstrosity of the deeps is not my idea of a good meal. And now it is all about me, clinging to me, pressing against my face and body, the rotting remnants of all the seafood I've ever hated. Yet, fortunately, I have far more difficult troubles, including digestion. The whale's ambergris coats its throat, keeping me from grasping anything more than handfuls of muck, and despite my body's attempts to have the whale reject me, his spasming peristalsis trumps my maneuvers, and down I go. Now I can't breathe. How splendid. Will I suffocate first or die of terror? Ah, what grim options. The fate of every living creature ever swallowed whole. I merely join an endless parade of death, perhaps the most common cause of death in world history. Yet that provides no solace. At this hopeless juncture, nothing can. A valve nearly as wide as my girth presses open and presses me through an elastic tube to spill me into his gut. Here I will be burned by acid. What joy. But oh, there is light here. An impossible tiny hut, in fact, floating atop a rank pool of digestive juices. A patch of turf somehow bears the smallest little clabbered cottage, with a fat red candle burning in the window. Ah, delusions before death. They are most welcome. Anything to distract me from the seventy-three ways I'm currently dying. The little door opens. Overcome, I squeeze my eyes shut. A hand grasps me and pulls me in. The door slams and scum is wiped from my face. I take a single, racking, gulping breath on a pillowy soft black bear rug and wait for my eyes to work again. They eventually wheel down from the slats of the roof overhead to the silhouette of a head leaning over me. A familiar head. Far. Absim, you saved me. Not in the least. I sit up, weak as a newborn. You vanished among the pretty castles in the mountains. Where did you go? Nowhere. I've been with you the entire time. Well, not the entire time, but I've certainly kept track of you all as I ran my errands. Oidel Kint died, and the great Malm. Yes, and Fenril Huth nearly accomplished his mission as well. I blink, taking in my improbable surroundings. Where are we? I mean, I know where we are, but how did you build this in here? Does the whale even know, or 
Is this some kind of illegal tenancy? Oh, my Rhysineum is an old friend, and I take every precaution not to harm him. He cannot even feel us in here, and I've promised him a squid feast for after. What joy! I was so afraid the whale would somehow be put upon. You don't care about the whale. How perceptive. You never care about anyone but yourself. Right again. That's why I left you. You left me, ha! I left. Oh. True. I suppose you did. I got our breakup confused for a moment with another when the indigo duchess confessed her eternal love, and I dropped her down a well. I just can't handle commitment. I know, Absim. Then why did you save me? Because I need you. Alakshak needs you. Damn right it does. I am glad to see someone finally come around to my way of thinking here. Like a shark in these waters. I'm the apex predator who keeps the ecology ordered and working. Without me lurking in the shadows, why, any number of prey species and ruminants could... Could... Why are you shaking your head? Because you're wrong, as always. Alakshak has never needed another predator. Our great land is deadly enough as it is. That's preposterous. Every age needs its great heroes, and none can be a hero without a dread villain or two knocking about. I am called upon by history itself. That I will not dispute. To rule and despoil. No, your empire days are over. Your fate is to be a sacrifice. What? Again? You've left us a pair of tremendous messes back home, and we need you to clean them up. Oh. Is this about the Enoko River? Because I think I can do something about that. Not certain, but it's a strong possibility. A fair number of those animals you adore might need to die, for the length of the river must be ignited and scalded of its curse. But after that, Faith, it wasn't about the Enoko River before, but it is now. What have you done to it, you scoundrel? Ah, nothing, nothing really. I'm sure it will heal itself some day. Carry on. What message do you mean, dear lady? She scowls at me for a long moment before she finally shakes her head in disgust. You vile worm. I mean your castle. Ah, the totepass, yes, and the light-eater. It's true, that is a mess. And we need you to clean it up, now. Has the totopass asked for me? Is that it? Am I to be sacrificed for peace in the realm? Well, I have only three words of advice for you. Don't trust it. That castle will betray you as soon as you're in agreement. Odious, nasty thing. Not a stone of gratitude in the entire pile. Of course not. You built it. So that's it. You've come to some sort of arrangement, have you? Give me to the castle and it won't harm you. Splendid. I shouldn't be surprised. All of creation conspires against me. Well, let's get on with it. Now, how do we get out of this whale belly? No, that isn't the arrangement at all. Fine, well, you tell me the terms, and I'll bargain something better, I'm sure. You were always so bad at the negotiating table. There has been no negotiation, Absim. There is no arrangement. Stop leaping to conclusions. I'm not giving you to the castle. You're not? I'm feeding you to the light-eater. Ah. Ah, yes. Aha. Yes, I see. It devours all light and matter and life. It steals hope. Nothing we have can stand against it. As we dally here, it rampages through the west, tearing the fabric of the earth itself away and leaving only void. But I am the abnegator. Now you get it. 
It swallows me and gets a bad case of indigestion and fucks off back to wherever it came from. Me still stuck in its belly. That's the plan, is it? Yes. Cunning stratagem. But I won't do it. I'm not asking for your help. I'm telling you what is about to happen. You're my prisoner. I am not. I'm a free man. Are you? Well then, by all means, feel free to depart. From one gullet into another? I can't imagine a fate worse than being swallowed by the light-eater. I'd do anything to prevent that. I scramble to my feet and make my way to the narrow door. I open it. The fetid stink drops me to my knees. I retch. Lady Far closes the door and drags me back to the bearskin rug. Now, now, stop sniveling, Absim. You're not going to die just yet. We have a mystery to solve first. Ah. Uh, a mystery? Yes, a great mystery about a legendary wizard. You see, he used to be the closest of friends with a dangerous fool. Despite all the warnings he received, he still welcomed the fool into his home. Then when the fool had killed all he held dear, the great wizard begged the godhood for an extraordinary curse. He moved the heavens to arrange it so that the entire collected power of the great land sea across the ocean would rise up against the fool who was a geomancer and overcome him with his own source. And yet, when the great wizard finally arranged every piece precisely upon the board and offered his life so that the curse might take effect, he was somehow unable to die. What do you have to say about that? Well, first, who's the fool? If we could go back in time to our seventeenth year and the great rope bridge of Coolia Coke, I think you'd see just who the fool is. Fen was an utter madman. And second, wait, seriously? He was going to beat the geomancer at his own game. I sincerely doubt that. And third, so you have no idea why his sacrifice didn't work. Me? Why? Do I look like the Bureau of Sacrifice Complaints? I'm beginning to feel like it. Very much the theme of this entire trip, it turns out. I'll have standardized forms made, for the sake of efficiency. The Animat Empress, before she died, examined his curse to the godhood with me, and we found it flawless in design and execution. There is no known reason why it failed. So tell me, why do you think it did? How am I supposed to know? And seriously, you want me to solve the mystery of my own salvation, just so you may kill me properly next time? I won't do it. You won't? I will not. Lady Far merely tilts her chin down a fraction and looks at me. What are you doing? She says not a word. I fidget. Oh, you think a mere glare of disapproval will move me. I've stared into the face of Ofer Collis, I'll have you know, and I did not quail. Well, not mostly. Less than most, certainly. What? What are you doing? And still she doesn't say a word. A waiting game, is it? One I'm sure I can win. You're the one with the urgent matter of the Light Eater consuming the land you hold dear. I stand. Time is on my side, is it not? Well? Say something. Do something. You know I can't sit still. Oh, that's your ploy, is it? To let me work myself into a frenzy because I can't abide a moment's boredom. That's it, isn't it? That's your plan? Drive the Lord of Chaos crazy with silence? Well? Is it? Well? Lady Far crosses her arms and cocks her head. Yes. I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. I'm... 
Oh, for all the assholes of the angels, stop looking at me like that. Fine. What? What do you want? What are we even doing here? Stop staring. It makes my skin crawl. I'll tell you anything. Just please let this unbearable moment end. I can't stand it. Tell me. Yes. Yes. Now I'm eager. Any distraction to keep me from standing still. And none knows this better than four. Why didn't the Cloud Watcher die? Oh, that... Well, it depends on the details of the curse now, doesn't it? What precisely was he trying to say? It wasn't words. It was an emotional and moral plea to the bedrock gods of the land sea. The only words involved were Apsimtotopos Grill. As in, O oh, lords of the land sea, if you happen to find Apsimtotopos Grill traipsing across your surface, please swallow him and crush his bones in your depths. More or less. Well... I instantly see the problem, but sharing it will benefit me in no obvious way. Yes, well, I'd need to see his documentation first. Perhaps he drew a symbol upside down or something. The devil is quite literally in the details, as I'm sure you're aware. Far pulls me close by my chain. You're hiding something. Me? Hiding? Oh, Far, am I? Well, you know me better than I know myself, which means that although I don't know what I'm hiding, perhaps you do, whatever might it be. She studies my devious dark eyes, divining my thoughts. Hmm, what's this? You think I'm on the wrong track? Something to do with your name? Gah! I squeeze my eyes shut and turn away before she can guess all of it. Why did I think playing guessing games with Lady Far would ever work to my benefit? I hold up a pleading hand. No, wait, wait, I surrender. Don't peel me open like that. I'll just get flashbacks of our second anniversary dinner. Then tell me what you're hiding. How about we make a deal? I tell you what you want. No, no deals. She slams her palm on the nearest flat surface and stands. You will tell me all you know before we feed you to the monster. You will, with nothing in return. Do that tiny trifle of good before you die, monster. You have no choice. There is nothing you can do about it. But a shocking thought flares in my mind, and a wicked grin steals across my features that I don't even bother to hide. Well, actually... Ha! Ha! Yes, nothing you say. There might just be. I'm telling you there isn't. Listen to me. I am a grand and ancient being, even grander and more ancient than you guess. I have never revealed myself in my entirety to you, fool. You have no idea what I'm fully capable of. Well, evidently you're capable of nearly everything but dealing with my castle and the light eater. You're also a poor communicator and careless lover. But magic isn't everything, is it, my dear? Now you're hiding another thought. This one about the Light Eater itself. What is it, fool? What are these awkward silences and darting glances about? It is somehow connected, is it not? All connected to the mystery of the Cloud Watcher's failed sacrifice. Her guesses are getting uncomfortably closer. My eyes dart even more. She leans in. Clarice. In your mind, Clarice knows the answer. Clarice and no other. Hmm, the vixen. I was unaware she knew anything of value at all. That's become my conclusion as well, for too dim for her own good. A wicked temptress who played the cards she was dealt and nothing more. Only ever lives in the present, that one. Like a 
cat or a pit viper, not what you'd call a great mind or anything. So what is it that she knows? My mouth opens to spin my next wild lie, but nausea sweeps through me again, a very particular nausea. It makes me so helpless and hopeless that I throw myself onto the rug and burst into tears. Oh, far! I shouldn't tell her. I really shouldn't. We discovered a horrible truth. If I tell her, she'll have power over me. I'm not who you think I am. What a toddler I am. Why am I crying? This won't save me. Or will it? I'll tell her, and she'll see why the Cloud Watcher's sacrifice didn't work, and why feeding me to the Light Eater won't work either. This is a good thing, isn't it? But then she'll know. She'll know everything. And what she might do with this knowledge is outside my ability to imagine. You're not... You're not what? Fall drags me closer. You're not Absim? She looks even more deeply in my eyes. She smells my hair. Why, it's true. You're exactly like him, but you're not Absim after all. I know! Now I'm bowling like a baby. How wretched. It's awful. Clarice took me back to the underneath to find my soul, but it wasn't mine. Or I wasn't its. I'm just some stupid copy they made so they could keep the real Absim back on their globe to study me. They, who, their globe, the others, those who live across the void, alien life forms. See, Kotwala was chasing me in my dreams, and I yet wore that bracelet the Sulima had slapped on me. I had no choice. I fled his cowled children across the void, and I landed on a globe of, of awful and shit. But I never left. I'm still there, deep in their disgusting embrace, getting peeled apart and chewed like a cow's own cud. But who are you? I don't know. Just some hollow version of myself instead. I mean, I have all of Absim's memories, all his desires and habits and needs. But when Clarice tried to return my soul to me and heal me of my villainy, it didn't work. And that's when I knew. You knew. How long have you known? Oh, a couple of weeks now. Weeks? Why didn't you do anything? What am I supposed to do? Write an angry letter? I don't even have the cuff anymore. And I tried more than you could possibly imagine, oh great and ancient being. I died and lived again. I traveled to worlds you cannot fathom. I fought a gene against the stars. Fascinating. So, the bedrock gods could not claim the Cloud Watcher's soul, because there was no Absim there to take from him. Thus, the blade remains stuck in his neck, and no amount of blood loss will remove his soul. And away you wander to visit your calamity on others. Well, you're certainly as destructive as the original. You're too kind. But where does that leave me? I'm not even a real man. I'm a counterfeit, and the real man is broken beyond saving now. If I could ever save him which I cannot. So what shall I do? Oh, far, what shall I do? Nobody cares about your predicament, Absim. You brought it all upon yourself and brought too many others down with you. But that wasn't me. I mean, not until recently. Your defense falls on deaf ears. You're quite obviously the same as before. You haven't changed in the slightest. Of course I haven't. I have no soul. Wait, you have no soul, and yet you live. The Cloud Watcher promised his soul in exchange for... Oh, by the eternal flame, that is a great error. 
So very great. Don't you see what that means? Oh, yes, I do, I think. I mean, what do you mean? Do try to follow, Dimwit. The Godhood itself agreed to the Cloud Watcher's bargain. His soul belongs to them, which means no others can take it, no matter what is done to him. That means until you retrieve your true body, reinstall your soul, and sacrifice yourself to the land sea that his compact cannot be completed. Don't you see? You have rendered Fenril Hoth effectively immortal. He cannot die. He can't? I wipe my nose. I have? Oh, good. You know, somehow that makes me feel better. I do love him, you know. Oh, I know all about your love, like a spider's own venom. But what about my body, Far? Imagine the torments it must be suffering on that faraway globe, trapped deep underground under a mountain of rot. No, you get no pity from me. Even your copy is still the most villainous man I've ever known. And now you shall be a sacrifice to your own evil. We shall feed you to your own blight, in the hope that it will destroy it. No, but don't you see? It will never work, for I am not Absim. The Light Eater doesn't care if you're the real Absim or copy number 3003. It eats everything in its path. Yet I am not him. How can I be responsible for someone else's crimes? It wasn't the other Absim who raised that horrid castle and called the Light Eater here. It was you. I hardly knew what I was doing. Can't you see? I'm merely a victim of cruel fate. I was formed like this. At least the other Absim had a choice. That is, until his blasted brother stole his soul from him. In the end, this is all the fault of my brother Genver, and he's already dead. You could be a blameless holy man, and we would still feed you to the Light Eater, for our need is great, and you are rejection itself. It isn't fair. Now that is the one phrase that no version of Absim has a right to say. So this is it, is it? The bitter end. Well, I have a boon of you, Lady Outrage. If you ever loved me, slay me before you feed me to the beast. It turns out recent events have taught me that I'm not a fan of being swallowed. No. Come now, you said it yourself. The Light Eater doesn't care. It eats all in its path, living or dead. Kill me, perhaps gently and with minimal pain, and leave my corpse in its path. There, everyone's happy. We will not be happy. I regard her. There's a coldness to far I've never seen. You need me to suffer, do you? Yes. My word, I didn't think you had such vengeance in you. Not just me, Dark One. All of Alakshak needs to see you quail and break before you are consumed. It will be good for them. How ghastly. They need to see evil lose its power and the villains scream in terror. For in their hearts, any dark thoughts they might themselves... Yes, yes, I know how propaganda works. Can't have the little people get any ideas now, can we? Must keep everyone in line. If by in line you mean an end to slaughter and terror, then yes. Ugh, I can feel my boredom already crawling up my spine. Yes, go ahead, toss me in its craw, do away with me, for Absom has no desire to live in a world that has no space for evil. Then it's unanimous. We all want you dead. See, 
Was that so hard? Now stop talking to me for a moment so I can grant Myrisunium a dram of my power. He can swim with the speed of a storm. She turns away from me. I grasp a carved jade bust of a breaching dolphin to brain her, but it slips from my grasp. Still useless, and now a condemned man. I wonder if I can reach any of the demons who used to rule me. I'd give them anything now, literally anything at all, for I have nothing. Lady Far turns back to me. She holds a cluster of dark grapes, and she pops them one after another into her wry mouth. Hungry? Nearly always. I eat a few grapes. They are so tart and sweet they make my mouth pucker. Here, oh, here is yet another sensation Absim will never again know. I am maudlin. I sigh and cast myself down onto the bearskin. Far nudges me with her toe. So that's just the first mess handled. Now for the next. What? You said there were only two. Yes, and that was the first one. Your castle catastrophe. Oh, I dispute that entirely. The Light Eater is one mess, which you've maybe found a way to clean up, but the Tote Boss is an entirely different matter. That is most assuredly a second mess, and it remains fully spilled. The damn edifice won't pay attention to a word I say. It's got a new Apsim now. A better Apsim. Another one? Just how many of you are there? Evidently not enough. Or perhaps in my legions I wouldn't be marched off to my doom. But no, that castle of mine is your real problem. Just because you defeat the Light Eater means nothing about whether the castle cannot summon yet more. There is the source of all woe, deep beneath the ground. And how might we defeat it? I don't have a clue. I didn't build it to be defeated. I built it invulnerable to all assaults, both physical and magical. I built it to be a god for me to worship. Men cannot slay gods. Can they not? It happens all the time. The historical record is littered with the corpses of gods brought low by their worshippers. Is that a fact? Well, good. Then you might have a chance. I wish you all the luck in the world against the damn thing. You'll need it. No, Absim, think. Think of a way. You must be able to. Why me? You don't hire an architect to burn down a cathedral. You bring in an arsonist. But I know your secret, Lord Fool. I know that your greatest art is not geomancy. Is it not? Nor is it speculism or thromaturgy. Now I'm curious to hear what she thinks it is. I frown and look at her. It is invention, Absim. It is creative chaos. It is the unanticipated bolt of inspiration. You can find a weakness in that castle. I know you can. You know, I was just telling myself the very same thing. My greatest power is seeing what others see not, doing what others do not. Far, you are absolutely correct. Myrisu Neum swims now with the same pace as the Duke's golden cloud. We will arrive in Alakshak by the end of the day. You have until then, Absim, to find a way to unmake what you have made. Possibilities arise in my breast, and I turn away from her, my mind racing, my eyes not seeing the shadowed wall of the cottage before me. A fugue state grips me, my body twitching with its revelations. I do not know how long I remain thus. Finally, a gentle hand drops onto my shoulder and slides off. I open my eyes. 
The fat red candle on the windowsill is a guttering pool of wax. We're nearly here, far studies me. Did you think of a way to defeat that castle of yours? I did. I sit up, my bones creaking and my mouth dry as sand. I need drink. Anything. She offers me a skin of wine. I pour it between cracking lips. The alcohol stings, which only awakens me further. You will need to tell me how it can be done, and then we can finally turn to your second enormous mess. What? What other mess could you possibly mean? Her name, as you told me, is Epley. Thanks for listening to A Lot Shock. Stay tuned every week for new episodes. Tell your friends and keep an eye out for other stories told here on The Unuseful Hours.